0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the film critic for the website Quipster.net. You can find all of my written reviews, nearing 4,000 of them now, at Quipster.net. That's Q W I P S T E R.net. I do apologize. I haven't been putting out as many podcast episodes of late. Some of those are because I've been doing podcasts for the In Session Film podcast extra film segment, but also because I took a week long vacation in Palm Springs. So I'm just getting back into the rhythm of things, catching up on a few movies I didn't get to see during that week. One of them is today's film. It's called Ghost in the Shell. It's the sci-fi action mystery thriller hybrid starring Scarlett Johansson and a host of other uh, smaller international film stars like Pilo Aspic. Beat Takeshi Kitano, Juliet Binoche, Michael Carmen. Pitt is in the film, Chin Han, Peter Ferdinando, Rupert Sanders is the director, and uh, Jamie Moss, William Wheeler, Aaron Kruger are credited with the screenplay. It's a PG-13 release because of intense sequences of sci-fi violence, some suggestive content, and some disturbing images, and it runs an hour and 47 minutes. So this being the 2017 version of Ghost in the Shell, it's Pretty much the umpteenth time that Hollywood has attempted to remake a property that has this cult fan base. And that cult fan base existed not only for the legendary 1995 anime film. It also spun off into a sequel as well as a TV series. And it all originated in a 1989 manga. This one tries to broaden its scope to capture as wide an audience as possible to, in their minds, hopefully earn a tidy profit. And as is the custom, the decisions that are made in order to increase its blockbuster appeal go right against the grain of what that original fan base holds dear. And that means that that fan base is going to treat this film with a lot of negative social media commentary since the time it's announced and especially since the time that Scarlett Johansson was announced in the main role, and that led all the way up to the film's release and beyond. Now with this film, those who were involved with the process were never able to quite convince the public who are aware of the original work that they would honor the original manga and anime and all of the sequels and spin-off. And as I mentioned, the most glaring skepticism among that group came after the casting of Scarlett Johansson in the lead role that led to cries of so-called whitewashing the characters in order to open the film up to new markets and to new audiences the world over. Indeed, the international casting in all aspects, this is a clear indication of the thinking that was involved with this. But when the original work is distinctly a Japanese product, and given the distinct lack of Asian actors who get to appear in lead roles in big-budget Hollywood films, usually that's really relegated to action films, if anything, the backlash against Ghost in the Shell has run rampant. And unfortunately, it is suffering at the box office is partially as a result of that and partially because I don't know if this is a property that had a lot of crossover appeal to begin with. Now, it's not necessarily a bad idea to try to open what is nearly a 30-year-old property to modern times, because there's a lot that's happened since 1989 in terms of the technology and the internet. Most people were not even aware of the internet back in 1989. In 1995, when the anime version was released, AOL was the predominant player there. Slow as molasses, it used dial-up modems at the time. It really was still kind of a niche market. Surely, since then, the amount of people who are now tapped into technology as part of their identity, whether it's on their computers or their smartphones or tablets or you know, Facebook and Twitter and all of those other things, that's increased a hundredfold or more. Maybe that also means that what was once that niche philosophical idea is now becoming something more readily identifiable as the norm nearly in all corners of the globe. Maybe this is an idea whose time has come. If done right, it could work. Unfortunately, the directorial duties for this live-action version of The Ghost in the Shell goes to Rupert Sanders. His only sole feature-length work comes from the marginally appealing Snow White and the Huntsman. With that film, Sanders did a fair job in drawing out a lot of those stunning visual components of that story, and so he does here too. I do think that any attempts at imbuing his characters with the semblance of characterization necessary becomes flat, and you never really get emotionally invested in the characters, even though some emotional things may occur to them. So as, as far as what the film is about, the film does start with Scarlett Johansson playing Major, who is this law enforcement agent who has a human brain, but she lost her body after a terrible accident that nearly killed her. That brain was put into a new body that's entirely synthetic. She's essentially a robot with a human mind. And as we learn in the film, she's the first of her kind. She works for uh, an agency called Section 9, which is a task force currently trying to take down terrorists and such, such as their latest assignment, which is this powerful hacker named Kuze who's been using technology that most humans have been using to modify their own bodies and minds with and using that to hack into them and control them. And they end up doing his terrorist bidding. As Major gets closer to identifying who the hacker is, she learns more and more of the targets of his assassination attempts, which happens to be Hanka Robotics, which is the very corporation that made Major's shell, which is also known as her artificial body. Now there's more to it than that, but I'm, you know, this is a film that has a few reveals, I suppose. So I will leave it at that. Ghost in the Shell does adhere pretty loosely to the original 1995 anime feature film, at least in its basic story. It does deviate in trying to also include this corporation as per- perhaps a potential Enemy and to also give more of a personal backstory to the major, as well as this hacker who has been terrorizing the Cybernetics Corporation. Now, unlike the 1995 effort, in which you're thrust into this peculiar world with very little explanation, you have to kind of piece it together as you go along with it. There's quite a bit of exposition throughout the 2017 release, so that there is more to try to keep viewers in the know as to what's happening at all steps of the story. So, some people will who really enjoy the original work for being able to watch it multiple times and get really more out of it because it is a very dense story and a lot of stuff is going on. This film really lays it all out. You should not necessarily be that confused throughout this one. It very much simplifies the plot. Some people who did not like the original work because it was too confusing may like that aspect, but I think that most people who really did enjoy the original will find it too dumbed down to really keep their interest here. Now, the performances. You know, in in a film like this, not really outstanding. That's not surprising either. But they they're pretty workable for a film that's mostly built on its visuals. And Scarlett Johansson does a respectable job trying to portray an entity who's struggling between her human side in her mind, as well as her ghost, which is also called her soul or her heart or whatever you want to call it, which resides in this unfeeling synthetic casing. And that means that she mostly deadens her emotions, so she's not going to give an outstanding performance. She does walk and talk in a very pronounced gait or manner of speaking and suggests that many of her motorized actions are being programmed by design. Somehow the mind is trying to use the body in order to do a certain task, and it's going to do it in the robotic way. And the aesthetics of the film, they're very impressive, but its the lack of ability to generate suspense within the action that we do see, as well as any kind of genuine buildup for the mystery that leads to some, what should be stunning revelations, those aspects neuter Ghost in the Shell into becoming just an eye-candy film work that really can't sustain itself on its own characters or the story that's at hand. And as I've often said, it really does take a visionary director to try to bring a visionary work from another medium to life. We got that with Stanley Kubrick, with what he did with 2001 A Space Odyssey. It really did transform Arthur C. Clarke's book into something really cinematic. Ridley Scott did the same for Blade Runner. And, you know, Blade Runner really is the film property that the original anime most resembles In its conceptual design as well as the philosophies regarding artificial intelligence, 2017's Ghost in the Shell does keep that Blade Runner aesthetic in mind, especially in the way that it uses its cityscapes that are full of busy holographic advertisements in the sky. There's this cramped and bustling pedestrian space beneath all of that. It also incorporates many thematic elements of, of course, The Matrix, which is a film widely regarded as being influenced by the original Ghost in the Shell in its own conceptual design and philosophy. So if it reminds you of The Matrix, there's probably a good reason, because they're both really mining from the same material. Now, whereas the original works of Ghost in the Shell portend a rising amount of technology used to identify us as individuals, this update seems to be of the idea that merging technology and humanity is inherently a bad thing that's going to happen instead of just a natural course of events. Now, that's kind of ironic that this message is coming from a big-budget movie, which rides so much on its CG components in nearly every frame to connect with us. As with the story in the film, so goes the film, because the reimagining of Ghost in the Shell as a commercial property shows us that harm can be done when corporate interests take effect— as well as how over-reliance on technology suffocates the humanity within, not only as part of the story in Ghost in the Shell, but that can be said of the film Ghost in the Shell itself. As I mentioned, one of the biggest ironies of the movie. Two and a half stars is what I'm going to give Ghost in the Shell. It's certainly watchable and it's not without certain enjoyments, but given that there's already the original Ghost in the Shell, which does the same much better, and they, and even all of the advancements in technology, it doesn't really get to capitalize on a lot of the new things it could have been saying about our world and how we've become very reliant on technology in order to connect with one another, as well as how we use that technology to define our identity, it's really a lost cause. I don't feel like uh, the way that Sanders and the screenwriters have composed this film are really doing it in a way to suggest anything more about humanity or society as a whole rather than try to build this as a pretty nifty action movie. Along those lines, it looks good. There are some nice moments here and there, but just not enough to render Ghost in the Shell as something that I consider to be worth going out of your way to see at the box office. So two and a half stars is the best I can give Ghost in the Shell. Thanks everyone for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. You can click the subscribe button if you haven't done so already, and you'll continue to get more of my reviews. If you want to get all of my reviews as far as what I've been watching out in the theaters, you can also subscribe to the In Session Film Podcast because JD and Brendan, they not only do some film reviews on their main show, but I'm also part of the hosting for the extra film segment, so smaller releases such as Song to Song and The Discovery, which just debuted on Netflix. Also, recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I did a review of the original Ghost in the Shell, and you can hear my commentary there on the In Session Film Extra Film Segment podcast episode, which I also reviewed Wilson the Woody Harrelson movie that's currently out in a very limited selection of theaters. So if you want to hear all of that, check out InSessionFilm.com. Don't forget, you can contact me at Quipster.net. You can find my contact information as well as get links to my Twitter feed and Facebook page where you can follow me and also get in touch with me there. So thanks everyone for listening. And until next time, please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies.